from CSG Studios high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there on the interwebs? We're here, CSG 108. Of course, with me as always, I'm Nate Timmons. You know that. Ross Hipster's glasses, Martin. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody. And of course, Jeff Morton, Morton from Thornton in the house. Hey, yo. And our special guest this week, we've got Les Shapiro. Hello again, everybody. <laughs> Chicago guy. It's my hairy hair. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> oh, Chicago. Oh, Lord. Chicago, Ross's, Ross's favorite people. Chicago. He's, he's got hey, a, I got no problem with Chicago. And he's, he's, he, uh, Ross, we'll have to break up Ross's, uh, Chicago person talking about hot dogs. Maybe. Later. We'll see. I don't want to offend the guests. <laughs> We got uh, we got a lot of stuff to get into this week. We'll of course uh, be doing our famous headlines. We'll talk a little bit about Les's background. We're going to get into, of course, maybe Masai Ujiri with the Denver Nuggets. Maybe what's going on with the Broncos, Rockies, and even the Avalanche, perhaps with Patrick Waugh being rumored to be maybe the next head coach of the hockey team. Did here. you already uh, sneak a peek at my headlines? I did. Here? Yeah, I feel like. Oh, well, I feel like you're cheating. We might as well it's just kind of dive right in there. Then, it's kind of and then we'll go back. We're going to talk a little top five sports movies as well. A little bit of a reboot from our early days. The top five list is back. This is the t- perfect time to do it during this time of year when the, the kind of, it's kind of like the dog days of uh, podcasting sports. Uh, we're not going to talk about every game the Rockies do, but so let's talk about sports movies. Everybody <laughs> likes a good movie. That's sometimes better than the real thing. <laughs> yeah. Russ, let's fire up and get into those headlines. All right. So, uh, According to uh, fansided.com by Brian Rosa, Denver Nuggets, quote-unquote positive, they will keep GM Masai Ujiri. Uh, I'm positive that in order to keep Masai Ujiri, they better come up with a lot of cash. Yes. <laughs> That's what I'm positive about. That's what... Today was the first day that we started to see some numbers come out. I know Sam Amick from USA Today started a report that it might be uh, the – Toronto might offer him up to $2 million per season. God. And he's believed to be making about 500000 a year right now. So pretty, that. pretty nice raise. And if you get <laughs> offered $2 million, I don't care how much you love the organization you're in, you're taking the $2 million. Well, right? it is Canadian money, though. <laughs> That might be worth more than American dollars. <laughs> I think right you're now. right. Yeah. I think Les is absolutely right. <laughs> well, I, I'm just like, it's going to be who the KSE organization, Cronky Sports Enterprises, to actually, you know, start paying their executives a little more. And are they gonna? I hope they. Well, they gonna? I'll give you a scary story. I was friend, very friendly with uh, with one of the high level executives at Cronky Sports Entertainment mm-hmm. or, or Cronky Sports Enterprises, I should say, a few years ago. He quit. He quit in part because he found out. He was making one quarter the salary of other people in similar jobs in the NBA. Wow. One That'll quarter the salary. That'll wow. do it. But that's the way Stan Kroenke operates. What you have to hope is Stan has given his son Josh enough leeway, enough power to do what Josh thinks is right, and Josh antes up. He's got this great relationship with Masai. They work together on just about everything. Yeah. And I think he knows how important Masai is to the organization. So hopefully, if they don't at least match Toronto, they'll come close. But there are a lot of other scary things about that. Well, that's the question, though. Does Masai Ujiri deserve that type of a big pay increase? Does he deserve $2 million or whatever it is? Maybe it's 
Does the role of GM require that? How hard is it? Can you just bring in big names? You okay. know what this reminds me of? It's when the with the avalanche situation from last the 80s, year. I think. <laughs> so, yeah. well, Jeff will bring up the eighties. Can I say something right here? Over at ESPN Denver, I, I work with a lot of twenty or twenty somethings. All right, I'm fifty seven. They act like if it. If it happened before 1995, it just doesn't matter. <laughs> like you can't learn anything from history. So, Jeff, if you want to talk about the 1980s, go right ahead, and I might even follow up with something from the 70s. Unless you don't understand, it was before they were born. Why would they care? <laughs> no, this is this is the thing. I I, I was reminded of uh, the Avalanche situation with Ryan O'Reilly, where uh, Calgary came in and offered him what was it, 10 million for two years, something yeah, like that. That's where we pretend that we know about hockey. Yeah, this is yeah. <laughs> I did memory here. <laughs> and, uh, and then this is kind of like this was like Lywicky, Tim Lywicky, the, uh, who, president, He's I the guess. the president yeah. of Maple Leaf Sports Maple Entertainment. Maple Leaf Sports. Yeah. yeah. So it's that, that conglomerate they out there. And I'm thinking he, this is the same situation where he's going in and he's saying, boom, here's two million, match it. And. Oh yeah. I, and, and if, look, he's either going to get his man or he's going to make the Nuggets bleed. Mm-hmm. One of the two. I've known Tim for a long, long time. I was very friendly with him when he ran the Nuggets, and uh, he helped relocate the avalanche here from Quebec, and he was also primarily responsible for getting the Pepsi Center built. Uh, Tim is aggressive. Tim is smart. Tim right now has the financial wherewithal with MLSE to go after Masai Ujiri, and he needs to because the Maple Leafs have been a joke around the NHL for a lot of years now. And the Raptors, I believe, in their 18, 19 years of existence, have made the playoffs maybe six times. Wow. Have gotten to the second round just once, haven't made the playoffs since the 07-08 season. They need to turn things around up there. It's a big city. It's an international city. There's a lot of money in that city. And if these teams can win, he can make MLSE a lot of money. Yep. And right now, you're looking at the executive of the year in the NBA. Why not go after him? Yeah. And it's a big story in Toronto. I mean, I was I did a radio spot there yesterday, and I just was listening to some stuff and just kind of perusing the interwebs, just trying to get a feel for what they thought every everywhere you went all their news outlets were talking about bringing in Masai Ujiri like it's a it's not only a top priority for the Raptors but it seems like almost the city like everybody's a buzz about bringing him back well and part of the scary thing is he's comfortable in Toronto he was their director of international scouting and then he became their assistant GM in the mid 2000s Mm -hmm. and he's a very international guy he travels a lot to Europe and to Africa Mm -hmm. Um, you know what it's almost I hate to say it, it's almost a perfect setting for him, especially when you add in $1.5 to $2 million a year, which is a, a three to four times bump over his Nuggets salary. I'm very, very afraid that Masai Ujiri is going to leave the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, I think he's too. a brilliant GM. Yeah, I think he's great. He's it kind of begs the question, too. Like, Why didn't Denver, when the 76ers and maybe the Clippers were pursuing him last year, why didn't they just lock him up to an extension? Like, it's why not wait? not how Stan does. Right. Why, yeah, but why wait until he wins executive of the year? Why wait until... You know, he, yeah, he bad bolsters move, himself. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a perfect situation for Masai, but it, you know, and like Jeff was pointing out with Lewicki, now the the Nuggets are allowing somebody else to determine how much he's worth. Yeah, it's a good comparison. And with Lewicki, you know, he ran Anschutz Entertainment Group. Those are big guys out there. They own a lot of teams and they win a lot. They own a lot of facilities. They own a lot of entertainment properties. Um, they're going for it. Yeah. And, and, and that's scary. Yeah. And you're right, Nate. Why didn't they see this coming? The Philadelphia 76ers inquired 
about Masai Ujiri mm, last nice year. year. And the Nuggets said no. And then they have another nice year. Didn't they see this coming? Yeah. Didn't they know? Aren't they aware that they're underpaying a guy like Masai? You're right. I they should have locked him up a while ago. I saw that on the stage when Josh Kroenke and Masai Ujiri were holding that Executive of the Year trophy. I could see like Masai Ujiri like a ventriloquist, smiling but speaking under his breath. Josh, you better pay me that money. <laughs> <laughs> well, it you really know what is. this means, right, Josh? You better pay me that money because somebody's going to come knocking. Well, the history of the Nuggets paying their, uh, well, excuse me, Stan Kroenke paying their executives is pretty bad. I mean, Mark Workentine was part of a trifecta with Brett Barrup and uh, Rex Chapman, and he wasn't getting, you know, top dollar. And then he basically, from what I heard, was offered the same contract. As Masai was signed, and then so was David Griffin, who is where is he at now? David Griffin, the former Phoenix Suns that GM. Suns got rid of him kind of quick after like a year. Yeah, and he went somewhere else. I forget where he went. I know Kevin Pritchard, who the Nuggets also wanted, he's in uh, Indiana, uh, Indiana, Indiana right now. But they were all basically were offered the same amount of money, five hundred thousand or less. You know, they say five hundred thousand, but I don't believe it. And you, you think. You're going to have to eventually pony up to keep the people who make you good. And if they don't do that, they're just going to keep cycling through these GMs and they're going to keep throwing through different cycles and all that stuff. And I don't like well, it. You have to do it unless you take the attitude that these guys are all expendable and yeah. I can always find somebody else, some, some other young up and comer. And, and Stan, fortunately, Josh is running the deal now, but Stan looked at his executives like Hockey executives look at coaches these days. No, oh, yeah. Like commodities. Yeah, just, yeah. They're just a commodity. Dime they're a very expendable. You know, they, they change coaches in the NHL like, like you and I change underwear. Assuming you guys do change your underwear. Occasionally. At least once a season. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I mean, you could see that if they do let Masai go, then it would most likely mean that they would promote PT Alessandro. Could, if but they, isn't he more of a cap guy? He is a cap than, than, a, is. than a talent yeah. evaluator. He's yeah, a, and he's that's like why, he's that's like Greg Sherman, perfect. isn't he? He's he's basically yeah. an accountant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but that's why it's the, like the perfect team. Him and Masai work so well together because you have you know kind of the eye guy and the stat guy. Unless like they're thinking Josh will no, take over. I knew you were going to go there. I hope not. I like Josh a lot, and I think Josh has a decent eye for talent. I don't know that he has that unique ability that Masai has. Yeah. What about that's Masai Ujiri? And as far as like, I try to put Pete, myself in other people's shoes. What about the prospects of Masai Ujiri going from Denver, which is, you know, it's not the biggest market, but it's a decent basketball market, to Toronto, which, less you said, it's a big city. It's great, a lot of money there. But is that not – isn't that kind of like a downgrade just by Yeah, nature? it's a hockey city. Yeah. It's a hockey city. So maybe Masai and, and no matter might how, take less money by, yeah. you know, to but, stay but, here. But, than, but, but keep in mind, Denver's a football city. That, that's true. That's true. So, you know, no matter what the basketball team does, unless you do something like what the Chicago Bulls did and win six championships in eight years and have the greatest player in the history of the game. I mean, that's that's what a good strategy. The, nobody, <laughs> hey, well, guys, nobody cared about the Bulls in Chicago. Nobody cared. I, I know. I grew up there. Yeah. They had some nice teams, but nobody really cared. I mean, if you listed the team, the Bulls were always number three or number four, sometimes number five. Wow. Until Michael got there, Did not and they started that. winning NBA championships. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, it's a Cubs and a Bears town. Yeah. Well, I can see that. Yeah. 
I can see that. Well, you would think, I mean, kind of to Ross's point, though, I mean, Toronto's roster is kind of a mess. You know, It is in, a mess. They brought in Rudy Gay. There's yeah. not a ton of flexibility for like a year or two unless you brought Messiah to make some, some crazy trades. He's shown an ability <laughs> to turn it around very quickly. Yeah. I looked at it. He, since he got to Denver, he's brought in 19 different faces that have actually produced on the basketball court. Wow, that's Nuggets. amazing. And you think that was a team that Does took over that just Wilson got done Chandler's to... second face count? <laughs> yes, yes. I'm just curious. So 20. I guess. <laughs> oh, 20. Well, okay. now wait, and you have to count. Uh, Kenyon Martin is one and a half because of the lips on him. That's the lips. <laughs> yeah, that's you right. got Trina's lips yeah, over there. 20, right. It's a body part. Uh, it's <laughs> lips. <laughs> you got a lot, of, them, a lot uh, of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, he's been busy. And that was a team that he took over that just got done going to the Western Conference Finals and all that. You know, I mean, he came in and basically – Tore the whole thing down and rebuilt it. Kind of forced his hand by Carmelo Anthony. But, yeah, that's true. But I mean, he has been busy. That's how I describe his tenure here so far. Is busy. Yep. On to other items here to discuss. This is from Yahoo Sports. This is uh, from May twentieth, two thousand thirteen, by Ken Pomponio. That sounds right. Pomponio <laughs> from Yahoo Sports. <laughs> Three reasons why Charles Woodson should be a Denver Bronco in two thousand and thirteen. Now, as usual, I don't read these articles. I simply draw erroneous conclusions based on the misleading headlines. And the reason why I bring this up is this this uh, con this this topic has been ongoing now for over a week. I feel like Charles Woodson was imminent to sign. Charles Woodson was not. I think Jim Sacramento had some comments on Twitter about how all these people reporting this were kind of erroneous. My question is, can you guys think of three reasons why Charles Woodson should be a Denver Bronco in 2013? Or is Charles Woodson a symbolic acquisition that uh, maybe, and maybe that's where it ends? How about one more Super Bowl ring before his career ends? Yeah. He ain't getting it in Oakland, folks. No, and he ain't getting it in Carolina. Another couple teams that are interested in him. But that's so, what, I mean, what what else is there really? I mean, he's made tons of money. I know he's got some Does friends. He have it? I know Does he's he got have the money. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> With athletes, you never know. Um, look, I can see where there's some attraction to Oakland. He still has friends there. There are still people in the organization uh, who he's familiar with. But it's the Oakland Raiders. Are you kidding me? I, I agree. agree. I agree. They're about a yeah. decade and a half from being good again. That's true. Yeah. He ain't winning anything there. No. I'd say there's at least one good reason to have him here, and it's the old cliche of veteran leadership. I'll stand by that. It's important, especially on a team that is, people consider old. They consider the Broncos old, but they're not but that they're, old. They're not old. Peyton yeah. Manning's old, so the Broncos are old. I don't think they're that old. No. Champ Bailey's old, so the Broncos are old. No, I don't think so. I think Charles Woodson would be a nice addition. I would, I would say there's three reasons that he should sign here. Oh, perfect. Did you write this article? I, I, I did. <laughs> sure. I changed my name to uh, whatever that name Ken was. Ken Pomponio. Beth, yes. <laughs> Correct pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> Italian. I wanted to go that way. Um, John Elway, Peyton Manning, Wes Welker. That's it. Those are three reasons he should sign here. The three up and coming whippersnappers. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going to go that route, you can name a few more. Von Miller. Von Miller. That's what I was Champ with. Bailey. Champ Bailey. I mean, it's, it, Demarius Thomas. They're stacked know? now. The yeah, Broncos are. are stacked. And it's, it's scary to say. Look, if they want you, you should want now. to come. Look, age is not a factor. This is Super Bowl or bust. Yep. So they're going to collect as much talent as they can to win right now. Um, Charles Woodson is a ball hawk. The guy's got 55 interceptions on his resume, yeah. 29 forced fumbles. I mean, this is something that the Broncos haven't been real good at over the last decade, and that's forcing turnovers. 
Charles Woodson can do that if he can stay on the field. Yep. Yeah. And it, look, if they get him at the right price, it's a wonderful addition, especially since nobody was wild about their safety play last year. No. I mean, especially not Yeah, exactly. But with Woodson, too, I mean, it's it wouldn't make sense for him not to come. I mean, it's not like if he signed here that the Broncos necessarily even have to start him or play him. They're going to, you know, they'll have training camp to figure out if he has anything left. So it's like, why well, not This is sign very him? true. That's one I mean, of the Bring in whatever of, kind yeah. of talent you can NFL. because, it, like Les said, it's Super Bowl or bust. Bring in anybody and everybody they can play and then figure out if they can play. Yeah, that's why they were looking at Freeney and that's why they were looking at Abraham and another couple guys who were 33 and 35 respectively. Yeah. Woodson's 37. Um, hey, if you're going for it, go for it. And he's not going to cost you all that much. No. I mean, if you if you saw the articles, uh, nobody out there is offering him more than the minimum or a little bit above the minimum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's that. in my in my. I, friend, friend, I think uh, he's leveraging things. That's all. I mean, he yeah, probably is definitely. And my buddy Rory has a Charles Woodson throwback Michigan jersey. It's an authentic jersey, so he could break that out if he signs here. You know, Nate. If he can still, fit you know, Nate. It. That's all the way back to the nineties. It is. <laughs> it is. Wasn't he the first defensive player to ever win the Heisman Trophy, though? The only defensive. The player. only. Yeah. First that was ninety-eight. Yeah, you know who he beat out that year? Peyton Manning. Yep. Oh. <laughs> Gosh, they can handle that drama. <laughs> High drama. All right, Ross. What else you got, man? All right, so, you know, we have a tendency here to pick on Colorado Springs a little bit. A little bit. Not, you know, I mean, nothing against the people from Colorado Springs, but... Speak for yourself. Here's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here is from uh, the Gazette, the Colorado Springs Gazette. It is, yeah. That's the female version of a newspaper. No, that's the, 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 the big-time paper that broke Andre Miller not wanting to... Uh, uh, like, what did he say? Play defense? Play, no, he, he wanted to play more. He, he wanted he to play they, more. And he felt, he also felt they didn't have enough talent to get out of the first round. That's right. <laughs> uh, uh, apparently he was right. <laughs> <laughs> Including himself. Damn. Well, here's a headline from the Gazette by Rich, uh, Layden here. Australian sports software company to bring HQ to Colorado Springs. I don't read these articles. I'm guessing HQ, high quality something. <laughs> Uh, high definition. I don't know. Colorado Springs. Congratulations. <laughs> You're finally getting HQ something or another. It's, what is an Australian what? What? Sportswear. Software. Sports software. Jeff? Sports software? This is important. The company has 11 employees. It's not a clothing company, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> software employees. does not imply clothing. <laughs> Alright, just so you know. <laughs> I just, I just wanted to say, I just wanted to prove all of our listeners it's, it's, wrong. It's that velour. We, it's velour. really soft. It's soft velour. I just wanted to prove we don't, this we don't ignore Christmas. Colorado Springs. We're the Colorado sports guys. We in Colorado sports, we, we include Colorado uh, Springs in this discussion and evidently they're bringing some company never, nobody's ever heard of with 11 whopping employees. Next week we'll have an article from the Pueblo Chieftain. <laughs> It's going to create 11 jobs in the springs? That's good. Yes. No, I don't believe so. I think it's going to replace 11 jobs in the springs. I don't know. Perfect. For Colorado Springs. We love you, Colorado Springs. We're not talking shit against you guys or to you. Yes, we are. All right. Now, I wanted to play a little bit of a game. Uh, because oh, good. I, I love games. Uh, this is called... Uh, Does it include a bottle and a... <laughs> <laughs> and a girl? <laughs> we'll get Renee, the, our the intern in here, whenever yeah, yeah, yeah. she uh, decides to show up. But uh, here's a little game. Now, uh, the date today is uh, May 21st, 2013. Mm-hmm. I have a headline from the Denver Post. 
Now, the date is May 19th. Now, you guys have to guess the year that this headline came in, okay? All right. Here is the headline. Today at Coors Field, Dante Bichette bobbleheads will be made available to the first 20,000 <laughs> listeners. By the way, it's more than just the headline. It's also the article. As they face the San Francisco Giants to win the series. Can you guess, was this year 2013 <laughs> or was this year 1996? <laughs> Can anybody make a guess on this? I think it was 2013. Wait, Jeff has to do that last. Same. I would yeah. hope that it's 1996. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Les and Jeff were absolutely correct. I uh, went to the game on Sunday, and I got a Dante Bichette bobblehead. I'll, I'll bring it out here. Which it. looks, by the way, absolutely nothing, <laughs> nothing like Dante like Bichette. Nothing, nothing like him. Um, I'm, I'm happy it to have It looks more like Josh Rutledge, doesn't it? <laughs> that it looks does. nothing like Dante Bichette. <laughs> they it don't even the have the mullet hair right. in the back. No, it's, uh, uh, I was very happy to get a Dante Bichette bobblehead at this game this weekend. But I think it's a little funny. As we continue through this stuff, we talk about what year did we read the headline about Jeff Francis starting games? <laughs> what year did we read headlines about Walt Weiss? What year? And, and now we have this. But we got Vinny, of course, Vinny Castillo. This too, is man. the 20th anniversary. This is the year where the Rockies have decided we will celebrate the 20th anniversary and relive every single year that they have had during those 20 years this year. Um, Does it hit you odd that this is the 21st year of existence, but everything they're doing this year is the 20th anniversary? Yeah, shouldn't they have done that last year? Well, if they're if last they're, year was the 20th year. If yeah. they're going to do the, if they're going to celebrate like the, the 90, if, if they're going to, yeah, if they're going to celebrate the 94 season, are we going to have a strike? <laughs> <laughs> so where did they find these bobbleheads? I'm guessing that they were trying to clear out some more office space for something or other, and they came across a box of these Dante Bichette bobbleheads well, from the 90s. That or I know. You know, it's expensive. You know, if you guys have ever had T-shirts made or anything, the most expensive part is the press to get made, the initial press. So it increases the cost for those first thousand or so so T-shirts. I'm sure there's a lot of expense that goes into the mold of the bobblehead. And so it makes just makes fiscal sense to go ahead and just bring back guys so that you can cut your – $1,500 $1,500 or whatever that it might cost, the Mofferts, in order to create these bobbleheads, and the rest, is, the rest is just all profit, baby. It's funny you say that. Before we started the podcast, I was over at Coors Field for batting practice. Rockies are playing the Diamondbacks tonight. And at the batting cage, near the end of batting practice, in, in order, standing shoulder to shoulder, Dante Bichette, Walt Weiss, <laughs> Vinny Castilla, and Todd Helton. <laughs> And then next to them was Eric Young Jr. All right? It was very, it was very, I wish, well, I did have a camera. It's on my phone. But I wish somebody had taken the picture of that because it was like going back to, like you said, 1997. Yeah. This oh is what's God. called savvy businessmen. This is how they work. Well, you, fantastic. But you have noticed this though, haven't you? It's like this is really, when it, at this point it has to be a concerted effort by the Rockies to say, yeah, fuck it. We're just gonna go back to the yeah. mid nineties. Nobody, nobody likes the current guys. Let's just bring the old guys back. When you think about it, think about all the sports teams in town. What are they doing right now? John Elway is running the Broncos. Joe Sackick is running the Avalanche, and they might bring Patrick, Patrick Waback as well. Yeah. Walt Weiss is managing the Rockies, and Dante Bichette's the hitting coach. 
Who are we missing? Who are we missing here? In the Nuggets. We're missing the Nuggets. Yeah. Who could yeah. they bring back? Now. Please, not Dan Issel. <laughs> right. Not, not Bernie Bickerstaff. No, either. please. Oh God, not Bernie. Say what? Oh God, what no, can they bring this back? Two thousand Alex English. They the need to. Nice oh, they, they, yeah. If they want to relive the the bad old days of the mid nineties, they can bring back Bernie to completely destroy the franchise. Oh, they had Vinny Delnegro got fired and with the Clippers. They could bring Robert Pack back. If you could be Robert Pack. Yes, yeah, he's because he's, yeah, he's like assistant coach on the Clippers. <laughs> yeah. So is well, Kim Hughes. So it's Kim Hughes. Bring back another X Nugget. Kim yeah. Hughes is up with the Blazers now. Yeah, that's right. Bring oh my in. God! Very good. Well, that's what I got for headlines today, guys. Very good, Ross. That's yeah. it. That's all you got. Let's say that's all you got. I think that was a lot. That's all you got. You know, my back already hurts from carrying this podcast over the past oh, yeah, seven yeah, episodes. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that true. That's true. All right. Good job, Ross. Good Give job. <laughs> And then come back, what, are we going to talk uh, Les Shapiro next? We yeah, we'll come some. back and talk some Les Shapiro. Oh, come on. Let's do something interesting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll think of something. Everybody had a nice sip of something there? Yeah, simultaneously. Yeah, I think mine is the only one that has vodka in it. But, uh. Oh, he's got it. <laughs> It's true. It's true. Right, Anything so, to make you more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever's gonna work. Yeah. Well, right. that wouldn't mean that means we would have to drink. <laughs> so let's talk a little. Uh, like we said, we'll talk a little Les Shapiro. Uh, I think everybody knows who Les Shapiro is. It's mm-hmm. listening to this. I would venture to guess if you're interested so. in Colorado sports, he's been a fixture here. For as long as I can remember. 29 years. 29. 29 we were going to ask you. So have you been anywhere other than Denver? Yeah. And tell me, where, where are you from? Uh, Chicago. Born and raised. North side. North side Grew up a Cubs fan. Then you, uh, I'm assuming you go off to college somewhere. Went to Illinois one year, then Arizona State. Uh, graduated from Arizona State. Went right into the TV business in Phoenix at the NBC affiliate, yeah. where I was behind the scenes. I gotta ask, was, was Arizona State a big party school at that point in time? Cause it is now, or it has been. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Okay. Huge party school. In fact, when I was in school, and I don't think the numbers changed much, there, it's a huge campus. There are about 50, 55,000 kids that go to that school. A lot of them commute. A lot of them are from the area. But only 20% of the kids who go to school there graduate in four years. People take semester, full semesters off and do nothing but sit by the pool. Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> and a lot of them, be. and a lot of them are, you know, rich bitches from Chicago and Minnesota and New York City. Yeah, so yeah. their parents can afford to let them sit by the pool for a semester. Here, a lot of people take seven, eight, you know, seven, eight years to complete their, their four years wow. there. That's did no you, lie. Did you study broadcasting or journalism? Or I did. Was, yeah. I was in the mass communication school. That's what we called it back then. Yeah. Yeah. Mass communication. Mass communication. Yeah. I also studied blondes and brunettes and redheads. <laughs> I had a very sore neck at Arizona State. <laughs> you know, the weather's really hot, so they don't wear a lot of underwear there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, the school, that school was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. So you got into the TV biz in Phoenix. That was your first, your first four Yeah. Right out of school. Went into the TV business. And uh, I was a writer and a producer on the news side at the NBC station there. So I wrote everything that the anchors read, the news anchors read on the air. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You don't know how tempted I was at times. <laughs> but you know what I realized? I, I always wanted to do sports. And um, I realized my junior year there, I was at Arizona State, and I loved baseball and I played baseball. I was a pretty good pitcher. 
Um, but I wasn't good enough to play at ASU. And I found that out my junior year. And I decided at that point if I wasn't going to play, I was going to talk about it. So I studied mass comm with the intention of going into sports. I got into news at the beginning of my career, um, and I was writing all this stuff for other people to read, and I realized I can do it better than those assholes. Yeah. So I started sending out a tape. I, I did a mock sportscast at my TV station, mm-hmm. and I sent out tapes, and I got a job in Peoria, Illinois. The heartland. The heartland. Yeah. If it plays in Peoria, it'll play anywhere. <laughs> Did you just have to do it at that point? Were you doing, cause I've just heard if you go to smaller places or you start out somewhere that you're having to do your own camera work as well as. I did everything but shoot. Okay. I just wow. refused to do that. Yeah. Cameras, prima donna. Camera's really at a young age. I was, I was a little bit of a prima donna back then. No, you know what I realized? If you spend all day shooting that, and back then they were 40 and 50 pound cameras on your shoulder. If you spend all day doing that, you can't really get yourself pretty to go no, on the that's air. True. Yeah. You're sweating and your hair's all over the place and your your makeup is running. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I decided, you know what? It's I like was, the three of us, but we don't put on makeup. So. <laughs> well, on weekends. Those are just on weekends, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, I decided I was going to do everything I could to not shoot. Yeah. <laughs> but I did everything else. I, I edited and I wrote and uh, and I performed the sports on the air every night. When and did you make it to Denver? 1984. 1984. I, got I spent three years in Peoria. It was a great training ground. I was able to make my mistakes in a smaller market. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also called play-by-play for Bradley basketball. Okay. And, and there, Bradley was everything. Bradley yeah. University in the Missouri Valley Conference. Mm-hmm. B- good basketball school. Yeah, still good. Um, so I was able to call some play-by-play there and do some color. And um, in 1984, I got the weekend job here at KCNC, which is now CBS4. Yeah. And you were there, God, 15 years? Yeah. So you remember, came in just about with Elway then too, right? Uh, Elway was 83. I came in in 84 in the middle of a 10-game winning streak for the Denver Broncos. That's oh, right. They wow. went 13-3 that yep. year, didn't they? Yeah. Yep. It, it's the 80s, Ross. <laughs> oh, I'm well, well aware of the 80s. I just Speaking of the 80s, I have a question. The people come to here for the hard-hitting questions. Yeah, the hard-hitting. Les Shapiro, I don't remember you ever having a, a, a mustache on air. I never you, did have a mustache. You've never either. had a mustache. You mixed me up with Zapolo? <laughs> no, no, no. Did you bring that up? I had what looked a little like a mullet at one point. Mullets are okay. Mullets are understandable. But I have a lot of respect for guys that got into the business like you did and never felt the pressure to grow a mustache. Even Benjamin had a mustache. Everybody had a yeah. mustache. You bring up Ron Sapolo, I kind of have respect for him because he never stopped with the mustache. He even had a full beard on there at, at did one he? point. Well, yeah. even Alex Trebek, you know, one of the most famous mustaches of all time, Cut it off at some point. I just had to say last that must have been. Yeah, it must have been a little ostracized yeah, for not having a mustache. I never even thought about growing a mustache. <laughs> I think about uh, it maybe because every day. I don't. <laughs> I don't grow a good mustache. Uh, neither do that I. That could neither. be it. Well, you're at least four feet yeah. sitting away from me. You probably can't tell. I've been trying to grow a mustache for I can see, you know 32 what? years. If the light from the window hits you at the right angle, I can see a little bit of hair there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking about getting some uh, mascara. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> frankly, I thought you just hadn't trimmed your nose in a while. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, all good, all good points. <laughs> so, well, I, I, we all remember... Yeah, I mean, you were always, at least when I was growing up, you were the, you were the, you was Ron Zapolo when Les Shapiro on channel. I was his weekend guy at the beginning. Yeah, you were the, yeah. the weekend guy. And For about then five and a half years. Ron went to channel nine, like 90. Right? Exactly. Yeah. 1990. And then you took over, right? Right. And then we went head to head for 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. And then yeah. I got fired. <laughs> 
which happens every yeah. once in a while. Honorably discharged. Died. Yeah, honorably discharged. Didn't, didn't want to bring up a sore subject. <laughs> no, that's a, hey, if I'm still bitter about that one, I've got major problems. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, yeah, it was 13 years yeah. ago. But I remember you did, um, and this is really obscure, you did a uh, chat show on Channel 12 or something like that. Right. With what was it? Wait, it was me, Dave Krieger, yeah. Charles Johnson, yeah. and Jim Armstrong. Jim Armstrong. Yeah. We did for about a year and a half, we did a sports roundtable show. Yeah. And once I, a week. And I remember Ron Zapolo would come on there with you, like, one, like maybe once or twice he was on there with you yeah. guys. Well, if one of the other guys couldn't make it, one of the other regulars, I would invite other sports people from Ron. We would have Woody Page on and Ron on periodically, yeah. a few other people. And Ron looked like he really desperately wanted to do sports again. <laughs> I, mean, I remember looking at him thinking, this guy, He's not comfortable doing news. He wants to do sports. And I was thinking, like, did you ever look at that, thinking of that yourself? Do you ever think, God, I wish I was back in the TV business? Um, well, I am. Uh, I, oh, do, wait, I, I do Sunday nights at Fox 31. Most of the year, not every Sunday night, but, but most Sunday nights. Um, as far as chasing the news every day, being in, in that competitive in a, of an environment, and the way uh, the news is put together these days, you have to wear a lot of caps. You have to, sh- I mean, it's like going back to Peoria, Illinois. You have to shoot. You have to edit. You have to do just about everything. Mm. I, I, I'm not really into that. I'm also not into getting home at 11 o'clock and 12 mm. o'clock every night anymore. I did that for years and years and years. I missed a lot of dinners at home. I missed a lot of evening discussions with my kids. Yeah. I missed helping them with their homework a lot. Um, I like getting home by dinner time these days. Now, I'll still go out to a Rockies game or a Nuggets game or an Avalanche game. Uh, but for the most part, uh, you know, somebody would have to blow me away with an offer, mm-hmm. and and that's not not going to happen. I'm 57. I got a bald spot. Um, they look at me and they say, "Well, he used to make a lot of money. It would be insulting if we offered him what we are offering people these days." No. Yeah. Um, and and stations, as you know, they don't put a premium on sports anymore. No. TV st- local TV stations. The, when Zapolo and I were getting four and a half, five minutes a night, um, these guys now are getting two, two fifteen, two really and a half short. minutes a night. Yeah, yeah, really short. Because people can get their sports news in so many other places. And and when you watch the MLB Network, when you watch NBA TV, the NHL Network, they'll show Rockies highlights, Nuggets highlights, Avalanche highlights, and they'll show far more highlights. Than the local TV stations do because of the lack of time given to local sports. Yeah. So people are going everywhere else for even their local sports news. Well, there are so do I want it? out there fun yeah. riding on water skis. <laughs> but I mean, bottom line, I'm a whore. If they want to offer me enough money, I'll go back to doing late night TV. I'll do that. But nobody's offering so me that get, kind of money. We got the Les Shapiro tagline now. It's like, bottom line, I'm a whore. Yeah. When did you get into radio? I, I can't wait to hear that one all over the internet. Yeah. <laughs> so you made the transition. You, did you do radio before? No, or I turned days? down a lot of radio jobs. There, there were a lot of people when I was doing, when I was the main sports guy, Channel 4, a lot of rock and roll stations would call me and say, hey, we'd like you to do sports. We'll, we'll pay you 30, 40 grand a year. And all you have to do is a minute at 6 a.m., a minute at 7 a.m., and a minute at 8 a.m. And I said, can we make that 10 a.m., 11 a.m. at noon? <laughs> because I don't get up that early. And I was making good money at Channel 4. I, I didn't need that. And, um, and when I got out of TV, when I got fired by Channel 4 in 19, uh, or in 2000, I had some radio offers, but I always thought I was going to go back into TV. And 
please don't don't judge me for this radio people. But I, after making that kind of money and having the profile I had, I saw radio as somewhat of a step down. Yeah. So I was waiting for the next good TV job. And I had a few offers. I worked for Altitude for a while. Yeah. I did Fox 31 for a while mm-hmm. uh, for, for about a year. Um, but nothing Monday through Friday big money ever developed. And that's when I decided, you know what, this radio thing that that I do periodically, it's kind of fun. Yeah. I can give my opinions. I can go in depth. I can talk for three hours and nobody will stop me. It became fun. Jim Armstrong, the old Denver Post writer, called me and said, hey, I'm doing a, a radio talk show. I want you to be my co-host. I said, fine, let's do it. And I've been doing it for uh, almost five years now. Now, hey, what yeah, about yeah. that difference? Like, you know, going from TV where... You're not necessarily, I mean, you're at that point presenting the news. You are, right. you are kind of have to be objective. Now Correct. you can go into radio and you can, like you just said, you could say whatever you want. Was there a... Well, I always knew a lot of stuff and I always had an opinion. But in television, you know, you have these constraints. Mm-hmm. You have the objective journalism constraint, so you shouldn't be giving your opinion all that much. And you had time constraints. Now, hell, no constraints. Plus... I don't have to shower for days, <laughs> and, and I don't have to wear a tie, and, and it's a beautiful thing. I love radio. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we do podcasts. You know I mean? <laughs> How do you like the aspect of working with a radio partner? Is that do you like doing that? Do you like having somebody on the air with you, or do you like the solo side of it? No, no, no. I, you know what? If I was asked to do solo radio, or if my boss came to me and said, um, "You can only stay here if you do solo." I would ask you to either shoot me or find me another job yeah. because the last thing I want to do is talk to myself all day long. I like people. I want to bounce things off people. I want to laugh with the guy next to me. Uh, I want to be able to tell stories to him and hear stories from him. I like having a radio partner. I actually like having a, a couple of radio partners. I, I like the idea of a three-man He's team. A swinger. Yeah. <laughs> a radio I'm swing. into threesomes. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one. Uh, <laughs> great. I'm a whore and I like threesomes. <laughs> this, this is great. Yeah. Well, no, it, it is, it's one of those things that I, I mean, I remember you, your show with Jim Armstrong, it was on Mile High Sports, right? Correct. And then you moved to 1023 and you were with, uh, JoJo and, and Rich Goins, G-Man. Rich Goins, yeah, yeah, G-Man. And then you've kind of transitioned over from JoJo to Tom Nalen. Correct. Now, how is the show with Tom Nalen going? Are you are you excited about it? Is it is it flowing all well, right? Look, for it's, you? A, it's always good to have an ex Bronco on the air, especially a high profile ex Bronco, and, and Tom mm-hmm. certainly fits that description. He's new at the gig. Yeah. He's new in the business. Yeah. Remember, <laughs> he was one of those offensive linemen that never talked to the media. Oh, yeah. yeah, I always thought that and was funny. Now he wants to talk for a living, <laughs> so <laughs> we're getting him used to that idea. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing is with ex athletes. Most of them have trouble making that transition because, especially the first two or three years when they're out of the game, they still feel like they have a loyalty to the guys they played with and to the locker room and to yeah. the franchise. So they're reluctant to be critical of anybody or anything. Um, Tom's not bashful about that, not at all, mm. uh, but he does need to learn the radio business, yeah. and he does need to learn the sports landscape because we don't, although we talk a lot of Broncos, we don't talk Broncos all the time. Yeah. So Tommy is finding out that he needs to watch the Nuggets and he needs to watch the Rockies and yeah. he needs to watch the Avalanche and he needs to go to games once in a while and talk to GMs and players and owners, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it takes a while for the ex-athlete to get used to that idea. Yeah. A lot of them are not comfortable going into a locker room after they're retired. Oh, interesting. Because they feel... 
they don't belong there anymore. Because oh. they probably remember what they felt like towards the, the media. media. To me, exactly. Exactly. The the exactly. And now I'm on. one of those scum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those idiots who don't know what they're talking about. Well, that's, that's, yeah. a, that's an interesting t- – I never really thought of it that way because I was listening to you guys today and um, you guys – Right at the beginning, you guys were talking about him looking at that picture of Alex Gibbs, yeah. who is now the uh, consultant for the offensive line, line. consultant. Right. Yeah, and if you don't know about Alex Gibbs, he was very vocal, vocal and loud and angry, profane. And, yeah, and he's a little man, yeah. but he was just that way, and you know, it's kind of like Napoleon. <laughs> and he's hearing <laughs> hearing this big guy, big guy who was an offensive lineman, talk about Alex Gibbs that way. It's such an interesting. He's still scarred. Thing. He's yeah, still scarred. Yeah, it just sounds like it was like you were talking about him looking at this pet, pet photo of him on the on at like barking. Oh, he was he was obsessed with it. <laughs> he put the picture on his computer and stared at it for fifteen minutes, <laughs> like he was waiting for horns to come out from Alex's head. You know. Oh, those inner demons. <laughs> I wanted to ask you a little bit. Um, I, I've ran into you at Nuggets games this year. Uh, see you in the locker room, and you know, there's kind of I always called the locker room kind of a feeding tank. It was like once one player started to talk, everybody in the media would move to that yeah, player. I don't do that. that. I know, yeah, and I could notice you, and I kind of like to do that myself. Is kind of hang back from that, and I notice you kind of having your own conversations with guys. Right. What still kind of keeps you motivated that like you said, you know, you're 57? What kind of keeps you motivated and you still seem very enthusiastic and you want to be in the locker room paycheck. talking to guys? It's a paycheck. Yeah. That's it's what a- keeps me motivated. <laughs> but the guys uh, that are getting money. paychecks aren't necessarily in the locker room. You know what I mean? It's like, true. Like not everybody is putting in that Time. work still. Yeah. But And I think that affects the work that some of those people Thank are you. doing. Thank you for pointing that out. And, and Nate, you're absolutely right. If I'm going to do a job and somebody's going to pay me to do the job, I'm going to do the job to the best of my ability. For one thing, I'm going to show up. Most radio and TV guys do not show up. What they're learning is what they're learning from watching on TV just like a fan would or from reading the newspaper just like a fan would. You want the real story, go into the locker rooms and go to the games. So when the whole media is talking to Andre Iguodala, I'm sidling up to Ty Lawson, and I'm asking him two or three things that I don't want to ask him in a big setting. And number two, I'm asking him things that he might feel more comfortable answering in a one-on-one setting. So I get better information that way. Yeah. And when also when you show up, the guys get more comfortable with you. This is especially true in baseball. If you show up every day in baseball, they'll sit and talk with you. If you're there once every month, they don't know your name, they don't recognize you, and they feel that if you're not, if you don't feel that we're Good enough for you to show up every game. I'm not going to give you crap. Right. So they don't. And there is a a level of effort that is that all pro athletes have gone through to get where they are that they feel very proud of. So when they see other guys not putting out that effort, why am I going to help your career? Exactly. I'm giving you a quote. Yeah. I, you know that's a very important thing is consistency and and showing up and getting your reps in. Yeah. I, I find that. But you got Nate, Nate and Jeff, you know from going to all the Nuggets games, players get more comfortable with you if they see you. 
and they're willing to talk to you. They're willing to give you their cell phone number. They're, they're willing to give you information they might not give somebody else yeah. because they respect the fact you show up every day and they respect the fact that they've had other conversations with you and maybe you sound like you know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they'll kind of give you stuff too that's maybe off the record but stuff from the game that's helpful that you might mm-hmm. not have picked up or what they were dealing with during a game and it's, it's, it's kind of cool because it's that other side that – you know, you don't really hey, I set the cell phone I, of the Wilson Chandler's baby neck. <laughs> <laughs> Ross is obsessed with the neck, neck baby. How can you not be obsessed with the neck baby? I'll give you a funny tattoo story. We're talking tattoos, right? Sure. Uh-huh. All right. Birdman. Yeah. Okay. Maybe the most obnoxious tattooed person in the whole NBA. Yeah. Two years ago, when he was still with the Nuggets, I'm at one end of the court. This is, this is during a shoot-around, uh, around noon, before a night game. I'm at one end of the court, and the Nuggets come walking in at the other end of the court, and I see Birdman. And he's got the mohawk going, and I think he's – it's it's like April, and it's warm outside. And I'm thinking, why is he wearing a turtleneck? <laughs> I'm looking across the court, and it looks like he's wearing a turtleneck. Yeah. And he gets closer and closer, and I see he's all tatted up to his chin. <laughs> I thought it was clothing. I thought it was a nice velour sweater. We have nice velour, nice touchable you know. software. Don't, software. Don't touch him on the exactly. neck because the ink will smear. You know, yeah. And but had, Bert had that weird story about the free bird. He, I think, just gotten out of some long-term relationship, oh, yeah. and he's like, "I'm now a free bird." Oh, he's like, "What?" <laughs> so he had all Why three members all of Leonard Skinner tattooed <laughs> on his inner thigh. <laughs> but one, one more thing, Nate, yeah. to your question about. Players feeling, com- feeling comfortable with you and, and getting information that other guys might not get otherwise. Um, when I go to Rockies, I stand on the rail in front of the dugout yeah. during batting practice. And once batting practice is over, those guys come to me. I don't have to go to them. They come to me because they know I'm there every day. And they come to me, hey, how, how are you? How you doing? We'll get into a conversation, and I'll learn a lot of stuff there too. So it, it's all about comfort levels with these guys and, and having their respect. They'll tell you what you want to know. From your baseball background, is, is baseball one of your favorite? Is that your favorite sport to cover? Yeah, I think you... baseball along with the NFL. But yeah. I'm, I'm heavily into the NBA. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, Probably hockey would be... A, Number four on my list, and, and probably a distant number four. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it. I covered the Avalanche, you know, all those Stanley Cup years, yeah. and uh, and got to know the game pretty well. But um, you won't find me sitting at home in the evening, turning on NBC Sports and watching, you know, the Canucks playing the LA Kings. No, sorry, no, not me. Better things to do. <laughs> yeah, you're you're on the right podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather watch porn. <laughs> it's free on the internet. That's yeah. Three, three. <laughs> Just great. <laughs> oh, fantastic. It's, it's been, you know, it's one of those things that you, you develop relationships over time. I have a lot of relationships with various agents. And if they trust you first and foremost, and that's when they give you things that will benefit you and will benefit what the point you're trying to get across. And a lot of people, I know some specific people here in town, don't make an effort to go. And when you don't make an effort to go, you get it's like, why are you there? Yeah, I mean, it's just like you're. you're By the way, the PR people yeah. notice as well. Yeah, and and then when the playoffs come and you want a seat in the press box, a press box you haven't been to all year long, forget it. You're gonna yeah. get cut out. Exactly. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you another example. I've had a relationship with Elway forever. All right, I w- I got here his second year. Yeah, and 
I've interviewed him literally hundreds, if not thousands of times. He becomes the vice president of football operations. They have a situation going on. I can call John directly. <laughs> and John will tell me things that he might not tell another radio or TV guy because he trusts me. And he knows that I'll do the right thing with that information yeah. without throwing him under the bus, without letting people know that my Bronco source is John. Now, there are other radio and TV guys who don't have those sources. You know who they call? They call a beat writer to find out what the beat writer knows. They follow oh, Twitter, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they or they go on Twitter yeah. <laughs> and, and, and repeat what was said by somebody else on Twitter and claim it as their own. Oh, man. Yeah, you see that all the time. So, and, and I'm not bragging. That's just the way it <laughs> no, works. No, it, it's, it's just gotta, the way it works. You got to put you know? in the work, though. I mean, exactly. and, and if you don't put in the work, they don't respect you. It's like anything else. You want to be good, work at it. Yep, 100. percent So you, it sounds pretty good. Fantastic. To me. Yeah. So you want to know any more about, about my background? Well, you, very quickly. Well, yeah, what, 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 what well, right mean? now, behind me is a very, <laughs> very shoddy bookshelf. <laughs> I'm thinking IKEA. <laughs> And uh, and a really ratty Colorado flag. That was sewn by uh, Betsy Ross. Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> people know. People are very. It looks like it. No, might have been. But, uh, she contracted out. To might have been Leo from biblical days. <laughs> that's how old this thing is. That's part of its charm, Les. It's so, just wanted to fill in the gaps on my background. <laughs> very good, Les. Very so, good. Thank sewn you. by a blind kid. <laughs> <laughs> Right, yeah, let's, let's the a, C is backwards. And <laughs> upside down. Well, let's take a short and we'll come back. We'll get into our top five sports movies. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Clara Sports Guys podcast. Let us take... A moment out of this episode here with our esteemed guest, Les Shapiro. And just remind everybody that if you want to support this podcast and you like to do some shopping on Amazon.com, why don't you take an extra moment and go to ColoradoSportsGuys.com and click that banner at the top of the page before you go on to make your normal purchases. One item of note, uh, in addition to all the ankle socks that you might be buying, perhaps you'd like to buy some uh, some uh, mustache combs or something that I, you know, I'm running out of right now. I just keep going through these mustache combs. You know, maybe you want to buy the new Phil Jackson book titled Eleven Rings. Yes, this is the big new book out, everybody. I, I'm not sure. I'm as, I'm assuming it's about winning eleven championships. It talks a lot of crap about Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. Oh, see, this is the stuff you. It's want It's actually to get. about jewelry. And yeah, yeah, it's about jewelry. But uh but listen, we thank everybody out there who's been helping us out with this and supporting this podcast. We couldn't be doing this without you. Remember, we're saving up for a new mixer and new mics. So go back there. Everybody out there buys one book. Guess what? I sound a whole lot better, less nasally. And that's good for everybody. So continue to do that, everybody. Maybe, right. maybe if it blew your nose once in a while. You don't need a mixer for that, do we? Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna save up. We're gonna get. Uh, we're gonna get Nate some uh, a deviated septum uh, yes. uh, surgery. I'm gonna get it's some perfect. handkerchiefs. Uh, but keep doing it, please. I need, I need more scarves. Yes, the, he needs uh, more. Am- yeah, Steven Aaron. Tyler over there. Some Steven Tyler scarves here. Right <laughs> yeah. So thank you, everybody. We're talking about loving an elevator here. Don't yeah. <laughs> Go to carosportsguys.com. Click that banner before you do your normal shopping at Amazon, and we love you for it. Thank you. Oh. 
do the old top five list. Sorry, I can tell there's music going. The old reboot from the back in the day. We'll talk about our favorite topic, sports movies. It's about time we did a top five list again. This is kind of the core, the origin of our podcast, Timmons, when you and I started doing this. So, you know, all those, you know, many, many two and a half years ago. Almost years now. <laughs> when yes. we barely knew each other, we couldn't have, we, it was very awkward. So we did the top five list to kind of break the ice a little bit. And now it's back. I'm just a little worried somebody's going to pull the popcorn trick on me. <laughs> oh, I don't. No? If we talk movies. Oh. No? What's, <laughs> what's the popcorn trick? Never oh, mind. Jeff, you don't know? Never mind. <laughs> Google it. Google the popcorn trick. I had to Google twerking a couple days ago and that was a, that was a revelation. Revelation. Yeah. <laughs> just don't ever read Reach too far yeah. for some popcorn. No, okay, right. just remember extra buttery. Okay, good. Right, I'm gonna. I will just prevents chafing. I will just assume this is going to fall in line with the rest of the porn and uh, horror conversation that we've had before. So, so we, we used yeah. to roll with uh, with five a piece, but since we added Jeff, we're gonna go with uh, three a piece just to cut down on the time a little bit. So we know time is yeah. Valuable, talk, cut down on the cheerleading movies, Nate. That you're sure to bring up. I don't have any trilogy movies. Oh, I, oh, I had oh, at least oh, spoiler. Oh, oh. <laughs> Spoilers. Les, I'm guessing you didn't prepare any. Uh, no any idea movies. we were going to do this. <laughs> no. I, I have one movie on my mind. The, the, the only good sports movie I've ever seen. Well, we'll save no, that I for the end. Thing. There's another one. We'll save that for okay. the end. You could you could interject whenever on all these movies, <laughs> or if it gets know. mentioned because Ross and Jeff always go throwback with their movies. So who knows? I, I got to tell you, I'm going to surprise you guys with some of my movies today. Well, surprise us right now. Ross, we'll started it off. What's your right. number three, man? My number, number three. five, we'll say three, just because. <laughs> Top five sounds better. It does. Just One, my third two, movie. five. All three, right. Sir. This is a documentary. This, is, uh, this movie is called Senna from 2010 about the Brazilian Formula One racer Ayrton Senna. Now, I am not a big F1 fan. In fact, I, don't, I think I've watched one race in my entire life on television. But this movie, now, it was a little bit unique. Uh, this is directed by Asif Kapadia. Is that really important? Um, <laughs> I only bring that up so I can say I have no idea who he is. <laughs> 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 uh, but it's unique. This docu- This is a very, very good movie. And I don't care what you're into, whether it's sports or not sports, this is a good sports movie. It's called Senna. It's about the life, again, instead of Ayrton Senna. He's a Brazilian F1 racer. And it's unique in that they're, this is one of those documentaries that has no voiceover. They don't do interviews with anybody. Mm. It's all from footage. And, and he came to prominence in the 1980s, so there must have just been some weird uncle walking around with a camcorder constantly because <laughs> there's all this footage of him from a young man growing up. Interesting. Um, also, of course, all the footage of him on the racetrack. It's absolutely fantastic. It won awards at Sundance, the L.A. Film, Film Festival, and the best documentary at the BAFTAs. The BAFTAs, which BAFTAs, I think are the Oscars for the British, maybe? Yes. Yeah, that's Something correct. Those yes. And here's what I found most interesting about this documentary. <laughs> when I saw this Les movie. laughing at us when I, <laughs> when I saw this movie. <laughs> way too much information. <laughs> <laughs> this, you came here, Les, to get some culture. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. just uh, sit back. Tell me, tell me when, so when it's presented. <laughs> here's what I found interesting about this. How religious Ayrton Senna was in all of his interviews. In mm-hmm. all the interviews he talked about, he was absolutely – he was ten times more outspoken about his Christianity than Tebow was, yet he was never criticized for it at all. I found that to be very interesting comparison as I watched this documentary. It was during the midst of this Tebow fanaticism going on here in Denver, which I guess is still continuing a little bit, although since he was cut from the Jets – 
Maybe not so much. <laughs> <laughs> but this documentary, I cannot recommend enough. Streaming on Netflix and available for purchase on Amazon. Sounds like something good to fall asleep Click to. Click the Amazon no, no, no. banner. This is not a fall asleep doc. I'm telling you. This is outstanding. I will never recommend a bad movie. This is a good one. Senna. I swear to you guys. Check this out. All right. We have to sit through four more of those now? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, only two more. Oh, okay. Move on, Jeff. What do you got? You're number three. What do you got? Uh, You know what? There's a movie that I completely spaced the title on, but it came out a couple days ago. I told you to make a list. And it's the one with Morgan Freeman and Matt Damon. um, Invictus. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great movie. But it's not really about rugby, but it's. That's what we should have done. Said the plot and guess the titles. That would have been more fun. No yeah. one would have guessed. This the is the way. We, that's what. This is how we do this here. <laughs> um, it, but that was very well done. And but it had and elements of sports in it. Had just kind of like what I do because I'm not a big. I'll announce on the air. I am not a big sports movie fan. Mostly because they're all completely cliched movies. But yeah, because you were watching Cabin in the Woods and <laughs> Leprechaun and all that great stuff. Eh? Well, also the athleticism isn't real in a lot of them. No, there is guys who are trying to play baseball players can't throw the ball. Oh, yeah, kind of like Kim Tebow. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping that that's we could his get next, less that's of the ball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take much. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's Tebow's next yeah. move. Faith, Faith off. off. Faith off. <laughs> One will be kneeling. One will have his hands to the sky. That Who was, will win? That was that was the finest moment on this podcast ever. By the way, faith off, faith off. One man in order to catch a terrorist terrorist cell must swap penises with a homosexual man in order what? to infiltrate their organization. What? This what? was faith off. Faith off. This was from a top five list years ago. Oh my god! We'll have to bring that up. How is that a top five list? <laughs> Um, Ross is writing that script as we speak. So Invictus, you'll go. see that. You'll see that. Uh, my number three, so my number three is a classic film from 1994, Blue Chips. Oh my God, that was horrible! Wow, it was horrible. <laughs> that was the one with Shaquille O'Neal, right? It was indeed. Oh my, and who, who was the the male? Nick actor? Nolte. Oh yeah, he was Shaquille O'Neal, also oh. male. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> true. Also, man. Yeah, you had Nick Nolte playing Coach Pete Bell, who's kind of a knockoff, maybe on Bobby Knight type character. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from that movie goes a little something like this. Boys, the rules don't make much sense, but I believe in the rules. Some of us broke them. I can't do this. I can't win like this. Because he's tormented from paying his players. That was a pretty good... Neon Badeau, Shaquille O'Neal, Butch McRae, Anthony Hardaway. My favorite one about the quote from that movie was when he's talking about taking the SATs or something. He goes, I can't coach. Those tests are culturally biased. <laughs> culturally biased. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Can I get my number three very quickly? <laughs> yeah. What was the Herb Brooks uh, movie? Oh, uh, the one Miracle? about the 19th. Miracle on Ice. Yeah. That was a great movie. Yeah. I mean, they had actual hockey players. The guy who Kurt played, Russell. The, yeah, the guy who played uh, Herb Brooks, Kurt Russell, I thought did a fabulous job. It was a, it was a heart tugger. I thought it was a great movie. It was a good movie. Is Kurt, that, Kurt Russell wigged up in that one? I think he was. I, he's kind of always had a mullet. You know, funny he? funny story. I used to <laughs> yes. live not far from Kurt Russell uh, in Grand Junction, Colorado. He had a house in the Redlands. In Aspen. Yeah, <laughs> well, he before. moved in with Goldie? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. no, but actually, while they were living, they had a house on the Redlands, and they would go into the city market in the Redlands, and I would see them there all the time. Well, they had that all huge the ranch down there. Because I remember <clears> driving to Fort Lewis, yep. and you'd pass their gates, and it was like... K and G or something like that yep. on the on the big iron gates and gold letters. So that's Ooh. that's my that's my 
the closest I've ever come so to. So you're it. basically best friends with Kurt sense. Russell. Is that what you're saying? I've been stalking him. It's, it's, see, see, I'm to, see, <laughs> yeah. like I could, Let's I could not mention the restraining order. <laughs> <laughs> I could extol the virtues of the movie The Thing, but these two don't like that movie. So. Uh, well, that movie sucked. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we got at least two good movies out of this movie. All right. Ross, what's your number two, man? All right, another documentary film. Are you trying to sound smart or something? <laughs> What's the deal? Les, have you seen my eyeglasses? <laughs> I think it's pretty clear that I'm a smart, smart person. You do have an intellectual look about you. <laughs> this is uh, called Knuckle from 2011. This ah. is a documentary about Irish gypsy bare knuckle boxing. I have seen this one. This is so a great doc. This is, follows uh, this, these two guys. This is basically the true story of the Brad Pitt character from Snatch. Except for <laughs> there's no six pack abs and the uh, fights are not that glamorous. It's literally just a couple guys going out fighting. They're like gypsy clans that fight each other. This documentary was filmed over 12 years and it's fantastic and it's fascinating to listen and listen to these guys. I had, when I was watching this documentary, I had to put subtitles on, <laughs> English subtitles, so I can understand what they were saying because their accents and the words they use are, they're not English. Not American English as we speak in the colonies here. Hey, bit me in the head. <laughs> yes. Co- co- me in the head. I believe they call it what? Cockney. Yeah, it, yeah. Like this was, like uh, well, this is like, yeah, Irish. I, I don't know. Uh, like, like the way that, uh, Brad Pitt you like was talking. And, you like uh, digs? Yeah, like digs. Yeah, that type of thing. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, very grassroots feeling. It feels like these guys just literally went out and filmed it with like, a camcorder <clears> or like a phone. And, uh, it, it's really interesting. I recommend this movie. Knuckle available for streaming on Netflix right now. And that, they, mm-hmm. one of the main characters in that movie, very skinny at the beginning, and then obviously did steroids towards the end. That's, that guy got yeah. huge. Yeah, they had attitude problem. Head was shaved. Weird veins. They're all kind of alcoholics. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he fought naked most of the time, so you get to see that. <laughs> Lots of acne on his back. <laughs> definitely. I mean, definitely. You see this guy walking around. Absolutely. There was steroids involved. Boozing. Great documentary, and it's real. It's a true story. When I watched Snatch for the first time, I never would have thought that that gypsy clan traveler existence existed, but it's true. I watched it. It's Knuckles. True. It's Knuckle. Knuckle. Coming in from Knuckle. Ross, another documentary. Jeff Morton. with me on two eyes. me on two eyes. Jeff Morton, what you got for number two, man? Talk about the troubles. Um, well, I, it was torn me to on this one because I, I had two, and I, I had to eliminate it. And I'm going to go with a movie called Drive, he said. It was a movie with Jack Nicholson, uh, who directed it. And it's from like 1970, early 70s. It's a really, I mean, you, you could tell at that point what a big basketball fan Jack Nicholson was. And because he was, I believe Jane Fonda's in it. And it was very, um, cognizant of the time, you know, because is it, if you watch it now, it's a very dated movie, but it's d- very well done. I really recommend you go watching it. It was done. It's called Drive, He Said. Drive, He Said. Drive, yeah. comma, He Said. Yeah. And it was, uh, there's a little backstory to the movie, like the production company and all that. I won't bore you with that, but it Thank is. You. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Ross did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allowed to bore. Only Ross. Um, <laughs> Well, this is a turnaround from our normal podcast. <laughs> so it, it, it's a it's a fantastic movie. Uh, you know, if you if you you know seventies movies and these two like their eyes glaze over when you talk about seventies movies, but uh, it's no, very we're talking good. About 70s basketball. 
I don't talk 70s basketball. <laughs> I talk 80s and 90s basketball. Um, so anyway, that that's a recommendation for me. You go. Oh, nice. Uh, my Nate number Timmons. two, very famous film. From wait, wait. Does Les, did Les have one you want to throw in here? No, Nick can go, go first. Okay. Yeah, we'll let him anchor it like a good He said he didn't bring a list, but now he's like, whoa, wait, I got it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> They're all popping into my mind now. Yeah. Uh, I'd like 19... to do my top 12. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a great one. There's so many movies, uh, so many bad ones that are also good. 1999 film, Any Given Sunday, directed mm. by Oliver Stone. Uh, Pacino. My favorite quote from this one comes from Luther Shark LeVay. When a man looks back on his life, he should be proud of all of it, not just the years he spent in pads and cleats. Said by Lawrence Taylor, very ironic because I find that he's probably only proud of his time on the football field. <laughs> of what he Maybe. remembers. <laughs> what he can remember. Uh, I actually watched this today. I watched a little bit of it. Noticed something very disturbing. There's a scene in the locker room with Jamie Foxx uh, when he's talking to Cameron Diaz, you know, and she comes in, the owner. Back when she was hot. Yeah. She's back when she was hot. hot. She had the Come long on. hair. But they I don't show... know. You can kind of cut a roast with her face. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> face? I'm not familiar with that term. But they showed Jamie. Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah. but you can see Jamie Foxx, and I never noticed he has like, he has a lower back tattoo with, he has two pistols like in his, Tattoo like on his back hip. Like yeah. they're holstered? Yeah, like holstered pistols. And then you see on his lower back, he has a tramp stamp that says cocked. Oh. I never a- noticed that. What NFL player would ever <laughs> get that word tattooed on his lower back? That's a good point. Um, Must be some irony in there. No. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, I, I, was- I could probably think of a couple. but uh. I, I had a problem with that movie. Cameron Diaz as an owner. Really? She's like Marge Schott. Real believable. There's a lot of stuff. If you've watched that movie. Who's Jerry Buss's daughter? Jeannie. Jeannie. Yeah, Jeannie. She did Playboy. I mean. I think, I think Jeannie's the actual owner now. I mean, she does all the business stuff now, so. I have a tie for number two. The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke. Fantastic movie. Almost played like a documentary. It was done that well. Plus, you got to see boring. Tomei's depressing. Yeah. Now that part was good. Yeah. She's, she's well in doubt. Yeah. And, and. But wait, since and my they, cousin Vinny for that scene. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, oh geez, now I'm blanking. Um, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Keep going. You'll think of it. You'll think of it. And, and, I'll, and I'll interrupt whoever saw it. Okay. Good. Once I think of it. I did. I love the wrestler. I thought that was great. I Hipster glasses here. Another one. Yeah. Disagree more. I thought that was so depressing. That movie. Oh, it was. I could oh, not. I, I just thought of it. Oh, okay. Go. I'm interrupting. You. Uh, <laughs> does Fight Club count? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's Fight Club. That's, that's a great yeah, movie. Uh, yeah, my kids even... sat me down and said, "Dad, you got to watch that." They were in their teens. I said, "You got to watch this movie. It's great." And I watched it. And I don't like gratuitous violence. And it just felt gratuitous to me and I didn't quite get it at the the first time I saw it mm-hmm. and then I saw it a second time and I went yes. wow yes really really good movie yeah. that's one of those movies you can watch a number of times and it takes and a number of times to really it's a great book yeah. too understand Chuck Ballinuck yeah. right yep. Yep. sorry to interrupt no you're fine I'm glad you brought up Fight Club because that's one of those movies that you, when you think about it, you say, "Is this a sports movie or is this a you know a transgressive uh, social commentary?" commentary. Yeah. yeah, but it's both. You're absolutely right, and it actually could be even more of a sports movie than some of the other you know movies about football or something like that because the violence was not an aspect of it; it was the focus of it. Hmm. Such a great movie. Well, I just like I just keep thinking the hook of the, the movie, of course, is at the end where he's you know beating the crap. I'm sorry, 
For spoiler. anyone who hasn't seen spoiler, if you haven't seen this movie, it's <laughs> 15 years old. Where, you know, Edward Norton's beating the crap out of himself in the bathroom, and then you're like, it, it, it takes you a while to understand what's going on, but once you do, it's just like, oh, this is a pretty clever that, movie. Yeah, it was one of the best twists yeah. ever for mm-hmm. any movies. Absolutely. Almost as good as The Sixth Sense, right? Am I right? Oh, yeah. Sixth Sense. <laughs> Great. All right, let's get the into the only movie. good. No, no, he did two good. No, we'll go into that later. <laughs> All right. My number one movie. Well, now, yeah, let's get into the number ones. Ross, go ahead. Yeah. So, as you could tell, I tried to be a little intellectual. This made Les feel very uncomfortable at first. Because <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll dumb it down a little bit for our guest talk benefit more here. slowly. <laughs> but this movie, <laughs> this movie now. I'm a sucker for baseball movies. I swear to you, if you make a movie about baseball, nine times out of ten, I'm going to like it. If this is a Kevin Costner so, movie. I'm you're absolutely right. It's a Kevin Costner movie. I couldn't leave it off. It's too easy, but it's Bull Durham. It's such a great movie. Yeah. And it's funny. You brought up uh, Blue Chips, Timmons. That was directed also by Ron Shelton, who also directed Bull Durham. This movie is fantastic. It's a movie that I will watch about once a year. A couple weeks before opening day, that song by Fogarty put me in coach. It gets me excited. I love this movie. One of my uh, favorite uh, moments of this movie, this movie is starring Kevin Costner, Tim Robbins, Susan Sarandon, everybody knows. My favorite character is Larry Hockett, the assistant coach and right-hand man of the team's manager. Larry Hockett is played by Robert Wool. And one of my favorite moments of this the movie mound scene. is when, yes, when at one point during a critical point in the game, the Bulls' entire infield is communing on the pitcher's mound when at the request of the manager, played by Trey Wilson, by the way, sad story, died a year after this movie in like a heart attack. But Larry. Yeah, there go the residuals. Larry Hockett yeah, <laughs> runs out to the mound and says, what the hell's going on out here? To which Kevin Costner his character, Crash Davis, replies, well, Nuke's scared because his eyelids are jammed and his old man is here. We need a live rooster to take the curse off Jose's glove, and nobody seems to know what to get Millie or Jimmy for their wedding present. Candlesticks make a very nice gift. <laughs> 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 he said, Crash Davis says, we're dealing with a lot of shit out here. And Robert Wool says, yes, okay, well, candlesticks make a nice gift. Maybe we can find out where she's registered, maybe a place setting, maybe a silverware pattern. Okay, all right, well, let's get to it. And then... And the best, and that's fantastic, right? That's a great line. But the best part about Robert Wool, who we all know played Arliss, Arliss in the, yeah. the Agent, HBO the sports show, agent, yeah. yeah. The best part was the way he was able to capture the middle-aged white man coach run that he does from yeah. the dugout yeah. to the. It's yeah. absolutely perfect. We'll put it up on we the website. Call those runs of the Joe Wolf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. cross we'll between those Bruce Bochy and Don Zimmer. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? Yes, <laughs> yes. And uh, so I love this movie. Again, it's a little cliche, but it's so good. And you know what? I, I could have put a whole number of movies up there from this director. White Man Can't Jump is one of my favorite. I, I probably shouldn't movie. even speak. Great movie. Because, uh, but Robert Shelton, you know, uh, Shelton knows, Ron Shelton knows that sports is interesting because it is such a good metaphor for life and relationships and all that. He captures that. He captured it in this movie. He's captured it in all of them. I love this movie. Recommend it. If you guys haven't seen it, come on, everybody's seen it. Everybody's seen it. And you know the best part about Bull Durham? I don't know if you guys have a, you know, a dad who's hard to shop for. 
Every Father's Day, I just buy them a new version of Bull Durham. They they release a new <laughs> the director's cut, the producer's yeah. cut, the, the Blu-ray commentary. He's, he's got twelve unopened yeah. cellophane wrapped versions of Bull Durham DVDs and VHS. The best boys cut, the transportation captain's cut, the gaffer's cut. Yeah, excellent number one, Ross. That's a great movie. Jeff Morton, what is your number one sports movie? Now you're thinking, Jeff. You're probably going to do The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. But no. <laughs> Julia Serving. Yes. <laughs> Which I have seen and was war- run was run constantly on NBA TV during the lockout. But. Jeff, I could say DJ Beds and Nuggets DJ ordered the Celtics jersey that Alice, Alex English had during that movie. Really? During uh, Amazing Grace and Chuck? Yeah, Amazing Grace and Chuck. Sorry. Yep. Not, not Fish Saved <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> – Talk about two really bad movies. Yes. <laughs> Amazing Grace and Chuck could be one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I love Alex English, but that's a terrible movie. Um, also, one of Jamie Lee Curtis's most worst movies. Um, anyway. Freaky Friday. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Too. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> Are you going to talk about Rosebud now or, or something? Rosebud. Never mind. Are you talking Citizen about, you, you talking about Citizen Kane? Talking about the Citizen origin Kane of reference. cinema. <laughs> yeah, but Citizen Kane, that's not really sports. Movie. I know, but I know how you roll. I know how you roll. What's this movie again? <laughs> this movie is a Fish Called Wanda. Wait, I love that movie. <laughs> but that's not it. Catching oh. Fish in Pittsburgh. Um, it is actually Basketball Diaries. Leo DiCaprio. That's your number one, Basketball that's Diaries. Number, basketball Diaries, and I took me a long time to appreciate that movie. Mark Wahlberg. The first time I saw that, I did not like it. And then I saw it again by happenstance um, a couple years after that. And I'm like, this is a good movie. That was he was a uh, playing like a famous author, right? I forget the story. He was yeah, and and he was he it was a story about basically how he was growing up and High school basketball player. High school basketball, basketball player. Drugs, got into drugs. Masturbating on top of a roof. Top of the roof. Top of the roof and all that Wait, stuff. Wait, what's wrong with that? <laughs> well, nothing. <laughs> no, that's the best part. <laughs> and then he gets. He Who wa- doesn't do that? Uh, uh, <laughs> he it's up the like, best place. <laughs> got the best win. Whatever that is. Um, His life spirals out of control and then. Heroin or something. Yeah, he tries yeah, to. Yeah, and, and, and it really is. It's, it's, it's a dark movie, but, it, you know, not dark, but it's kind of, you know, serious subject, but it's. It's good. I, I I really like the way it was done. It was very well put together, and for me, that would be number one. Way to end the show on a downer. Well, he's it's not over yet, Ross. We still got a few more. <laughs> and Sid Les has got his uh, number I one. Still, I tried to bring it up with Bull Durham. We've got, got the the anchor right I, here. I, I had no idea we were going to do this. I now have a seven way tie for first place. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for my turn here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and guess that this this could be one of those ties because this is an excellent movie. This movie is going to be at the uh, the summer movies up at Red Rocks this summer. So you can get tickets Ooh, and go watch it at Red be Rocks a classic. in the amphitheater. My number one, Shazam from 1991, yeah. Point Break. Oh. Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze. This is a sports movie. Surfers. It is, is surfers. surfers. Yeah, surfers. you're right. It is. It is. Yeah. I am the police. <laughs> and then you got to, you got Gary Busey playing Pappas, the grizzled cop. And this is my favorite. Um, one of my favorite scenes with him. Yells out the car. Utah, give me two. Utah brings back the meatball subs, to which Busey says, "I'm so hungry." I could eat the ass end out of a dead rhino. I should have had you get me three of these things. <laughs> Meanwhile. <laughs> The dead presidents are robbing the frickin' bank! And they just barely see the getaway car. Everything <laughs> that goes is, down. That is, I mean, 
Keanu Reeves is one of the worst actors in the history, history. of, uh, or one of the best actors of all time. Best actors. I would have to are say. You, are you kidding me? He is. He is the same. The FBI. Is you, did you see? Mu- did you see much? Serve? Much ado about nothing. Yeah, that with uh, Kenneth Branagh. It's a. I try not to ever watch a movie with Kevin Branagh in it. Well, first of all, Kenneth Branagh. Kevin Branagh. What did I say, Kevin? Yes. So you don't even know <laughs> who I'm brother. talking about. <laughs> and it was just, he's trying to play, uh, uh, this character and he was so bad doing it. I, just, I mean, anyway. It's probably that, excellent. Just like all of his other probably movies. just over your head. Right, I have a tie for first place. And Do we've it. mentioned both movies. Bull Durham, which is one of the few believable baseball movies out there. And mm-hmm. Costner was a very good baseball player. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was down in spring training when the Rockies were in Tucson and Costner was, Filming a, a movie down in, in uh, Tucson, I think it was uh, the Postman. Always rings twice or something like that. It was a western. <laughs> it was a western. No, the Postman. The it was post- just the Postman. The Postman. It was that yeah. postal, the post-apocalyptic, yeah, yeah. underrated yeah. movie. By the way, I somebody love that else movie. always oh. rings twice, but this was called the Postman. <laughs> and and he was invited to participate in Rocky's practice one day. You should have seen him at shortstop. I mean, he was a vacuum cleaner out there. Seriously, he was really? picking up everything. He was taking BP. He could hit the ball. So in Bull Durham, I mean, he was real believable as Crash Davis. Nah, Tim Robbins as a pitcher, not so much. <laughs> yeah. Susan Sarandon, though, as a groupie, very believable. <laughs> uh, but I, I thought I thought that was a great movie. Um, and well, then, Ron Shelton played minor league baseball for like did. five years, and so I, yeah, he had a good feel for for what needed to be done and yeah. how it needed to be done. And then White Men Can't Jump was a great movie. Oh, that's yeah, because yeah, because that Harrelson, Woody Harrelson, was actually believable, his basketball skills, and um, Wesley Snipes, semi believable basketball skills. Rosie Perez was great on the Jeopardy show. <laughs> Fools that was just a, it was a great movie. Great movies. I, be, I believe. What is the Quince I believe, Alex? I believe uh, Wesley Snipes went on to do Jungle Fever from that. So, yeah. And he went to jail for and go to jail. Go to jail. I was going to say Rosie yeah. Perez was a believable Cuban-American yes. woman. Played the role well. <laughs> but you're talking about she'd be good in everything. That was not believable. No, I, I not. heard terrible. something that said if, if Woody Harrelson ever fell on hard times, he could come back as just a bartender. And everybody would pack that bar just to go there to see him. No doubt. Yeah. You know, there, I saw a great, you know, I was just watching some episodes of Cheers and I was on, on Netflix and it was just great. You know, that was, was one of the only times when they had replaced, like in sitcom history, they have replaced a lovable character with Coach, another one yeah. and people liked it better because everybody loved Coach. Yeah. Woody Harrelson came in there playing, I guess, what's his name? Woody actually in the yeah. show. And uh, he was great. Everybody loved him uh, almost more. I mean, maybe not more than Coach, but I'd go with more. <laughs> I don't know. Coach, Coach was a great character. Coach was great. He was fantastic. Great. They were both dumb, but in a different I way. I just remember yeah. being a kid and thinking Coach was really smart because I had no idea. What, you know, I had the shows over my head, and then watching it back in college, they had played a marathon one night. Me and my roommate just got a few twelve packs of beer and just watched Cheers for like twenty four straight hours. And this is when you thought he was smart. <laughs> no, no. He also believed. I got by he this. also believed everything Cliff Clavin said. Yes. So. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I thought he was a genius. Hey, uh, Terry. Like, Jesus, Terry. Hey, you know, Nami. He knows everything about everything. <laughs> yeah. Nami. Oh, I love that. Fantastic. Well, you know, there's, you could list great movies that have sports elements, you know, in them. I mean, well, I didn't want to put in Field of Dreams. I didn't there's the, y- the Longest Yard. or I have a problem with Field of Dreams. They got a number of things factually incorrect. When I, I, I'm a baseball nut. Yeah. I'm, I'm the kind of guy who sits with the baseball encyclopedia in my lap and just turns the pages and reads it. Um, when I saw Field of Dreams the first time in the theater, 
Shoeless Joe Jackson they had as a right-handed hitter. Oh, oh. And Shoeless yeah. Joe was a lefty. They lost me. Ray they Liotta. totally lost me. I was done after that. How could they? Make Couldn't that watch mistake. the rest of the movie. Was that Ray Liotta? No, Ray Liotta was his dad. Oh. Right? No, the, I like, think Ray no, Liotta, Ray Liotta was Shoeless Joe. No, yeah. no, he wasn't. It was that was Ray Liotta played his dad. No. And some other guy played Shoeless Joe. No, I am complete. I am, no. I am, I am right. <laughs> you guys are wrong. Uh, <laughs> see, those. Well, I, I, you notice that with those things. It's like, no, a Black Sunday. It's about the Super Bowl and the, uh, the blimp, uh, trying to be exploded and, and over, uh, the good of your blimp. And so that's, that's with, uh. I've never heard of this movie. Never heard of Black, Black Sunday? Sunday? No. Wow. IMDB, Ray Liotta, Shoeless Joe Jackson. Boom. Wow. Boom. You're wow. thinking of the guy from Swimming with Sharks who plays the dad. The young kid. He was also in Pulp Fiction. Remember the guy who uh Dwyer Brown? Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. Plays John Casella. <laughs> I do remember Burt Lancaster was in that movie. One of the last movies he was in, actually, I think. Right, so what do we do now on these podcasts? Do they just trail off like now this? We, this, this is how it works. Do we now turn to something interesting? <laughs> oh, they, they trail. <laughs> I mean, oh, man. It, get wor- it gets worse. Yeah, this is the first podcast like, you've been gotta, on. i got to be at work at noon tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first podcast you've been on. I actually, but I actually, you seem to know exactly how it works. I do podcast interviews year-round. Oh, very I, nice. I interview authors. Oh, no kidding. As a matter of fact, at the end of the month, uh, I'll be at Book Expo America in New York City at the Javits Center, uh, where the whole publishing world convenes, and they set up a studio in the middle of the Javits Center, and I interview authors, uh, (laughs) and they all go up on podcasts. Really? Are they going to make a boring documentary about that? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) See, Ross would watch that, though. I mean, (laughs) Ross would watch that. And then talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) We talk about the people talking about people. That's what we do here. That's what we do. But but to answer your question, now we end it. (laughs) <laughs> well, that, yeah, now seems like a good line. But thank you so much. Well, thank this you guys awesome. for having thank me. Thank you. That was absolutely fun. Anytime fantastic. you want to do it, I'm, uh, I'm happy to stop by this this uh, beautiful studio. He yeah. says, you in a studio. High above the streets. <laughs> High above the yeah. streets of Denver, Colorado. <laughs> With the shabby, uh, shabby shelves and the Betsy Ross. And the, be- Betsy Ross <laughs> and the, the nice hangers and T-shirts. Yes. <laughs> That's oh, for sound uh, absorption. And by the way, in that in that bathroom I went into before the podcast, yeah. You need to pull all the pubic hair off the toilet. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll talk to the wife about that. <laughs> oh, it's hers? <laughs> Never mind. No, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is why we should have ended this five minutes ago. <laughs> That's the whole point with wives, though. You have two separate bathrooms, and Ross is just completely... Yeah, this, this is my up. frat house bathroom over here. <laughs> I can tell. The rest of the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yet, yet to be Ajaxed. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, well, yeah, that's gonna wrap it up. Uh, CSG 108, Jeff Ross, good show once again, guys, and last thanks again. Thank you very much for Thank coming you guys. on. We'll probably bother you at some point in the future to come back on or maybe just call you relentlessly. One of the two. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Hey.